0: And we're back. Welcome to Beer and Football. You are joined by the thruple that is myself, Mike, Jeff, and Joe. Um, it's been a crazy weekend of games. A lot of, uh, a lot of penalties that we may or may not talk about. Depends on how Jeff's feeling in the next 30 minutes or so. Um, but there was some exciting results. Uh, Liverpool pulled out the win over West Ham and Arsenal got their first away win. In like five years against the top uh, big six team I don't want to say top six because Manchester United is at the bottom of the table so uh, kick things off Jeff how are you this week after uh, Liverpool's 2 one win?
1: Um, I'm feeling great uh, the weather can't be better at this point the Reds are on top of everything and so Mike life is good life is life is good
0: Let's be nice living on like the sunny side of things, you know, always at the top of the table, good weather, golfing, whatever, you know, got to be nice on that side.
1: We're hey, th- things ahead. have not always gone so well. So you gotta, you got to, you know, Mike, this, this whole spell that you guys are in right now is going to, it's just going to make the time when you guys are finally back towards the top it's going to make that much sweeter. Yeah. Cause the sweet is not as sweet without the sour, Mike. Well, well put. I, I like that.
0: But hey, we're we complain when it's bad, and then we are the worst kind of winners when we win. So it's gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, Joe, no, jo, how too. are we this
2: week? We're good. Couldn't ask for better weather here in Chicago, Um especially now into November. Uh So getting outside when I can, playing some golf when I can, watching the football when it's on. So you know, it's a it's a good time for for things, even though the COVID's going on. But you know, we're taking the And positive. the
1: presidential uh, election is still getting ca- crazy, uh, still into the second day and no clear winner, but that's uh, neither here nor there. This is yep. a, a positive podcast. And
0: this is a safe place for everyone. This is a football safe place. And we're going to talk about the football, keep all that crazy political stuff out of it. Um, but yeah. Joe, we're going to do something a little different this time. We're going to flip the script and we're going to talk about the Chicago Fire off the bat. Um, they it. just played and um, the result wasn't what we wanted. So it's still fresh in the mind. Let's talk about it. What happened? How did the result um, play out? And how are uh, how you feeling? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so we had uh, two games. They played Nashville on Saturday. Um, they tied 1 1 against Nashville and As far as I can remember in the past or since 2017, when Schweinsteiger came back, this was probably the best that I've seen them play since in three years against Nashville, they completely dominated them. um, And the only thing we're missing was, was another goal. Uh, They gave up a a set piece goal. And that's kind of where their downfall is currently Um, these crosses into the box with set pieces, just regular crosses is where they're giving away a lot of goals um, which is causing problems because they're just not getting the results that maybe the play deserves. But, um, against Nashville, they had 64% of the possession. Um, they were just constantly, um, running at them, hounding them down getting the ball back. I think there were long stretches of time where 21 to 22 players were in Nashville's half and the fire were just running at them. And, um, your boy Collier hit the post at the end of the match, uh, with a good header. Uh, he should have just, you know, Maybe done a little bit better, but you, you know, think he got four
0: goals? Is that what you said? Yeah, I wish. I wish he could <laughs>
2: score one at the moment, but um, you know, everyone was playing really well. Uh, it just the second goal never came, and you know, we ended with a draw. And Nashville's coach was um, interviewed and said that that might have been the best footballing team that's come through Nashville, um, which is a great compliment. The Nashville. I was very unimpressed with them. Uh, they sat back and they were a team that, you know, just sat back, sat back and hoped for a, a free kick, a dead ball. And, and they came up and scored and they got the one, one draw. And, you know, that's not the type of football I like to watch. And uh, the way the fire played, it was a, a good stretch. And I was pleased with their play. Um, but the results just like all season have not, was not what they deserved and it's coming back to, you know, down to the wire now with uh, playoffs right around the corner. And, you know, they're not those results. If they could, you know, get a win here or there would put them in a much better spot, which leads oh, speaking us. Speaking
1: of to, playoffs, are they, um, are they in the playoffs at this point? So uh,
2: because of the coronavirus, they, uh, MLS has had to switch up their, you know, the way that they're putting play uh, teams in playoffs. They're going to a point per game. Uh, that took the fire out of that were out of the playoffs to start that. And then once they switched to that, they put them into the playoffs uh, because teams in the West aren't going to finish um, with the same amount of games. So they figured it this way would make it the easiest, um, which was good for the fire. They needed four points from these last uh, two matches, and one of them was tonight against Minnesota. And they played well, um, and they took a 2 nothing lead. And then in typical fire fashion on the road, we're like, we can't win. That's not what we do. Uh, They still haven't won yet on the road this season, which is a problem because they're going to have to play a a road playoff game if they get in. But, um, you know, they were up to nothing, playing pretty well. And then they, you know, got scored on, on another cross, another dead ball. And then they give the second goal the same way. And, you know, it's 2-2 and that's, that's another draw, and it puts a lot of pressure on Saturday when they play against New York City, who's another good team, and uh, they have to win. They need a win to um, sure up their playoff spot. There was is was goal... win or
1: go home, or is it just win um, – to...
2: I'm not sure off the top of my head of um, if it's win or go home. I think there's still some results that can happen to make it different, but if they win, they're in. Uh, so they control their own destiny, which is a, a good problem, I guess, to have, um, when considering where we were to start the season, uh, to be in this a spot where you, win, you're in is a, is a good scenario. Uh, it's at home. They play well at home. Um, so that's kind of, you know, a positive to see from that, uh, except New York city, they're in fifth. So they're a good team. Uh, they've been playing well. So, it's no easy feat, but it's doable. So we'll hope that they can, can pull that off. And I would, for all this, the seasons that we've I've had as a fire supporter, I'm excited about this team. I think they're playing really well right now. I'd really like to see them get into the playoffs and see what they can do. There's some good talent. There's some good, good football players on that, on that team that are controlling matches for long stretches, which is, which is good to see. And, uh, I'd like to see more of them. So hopefully they can sneak into the playoffs and have something good happen.
0: I mean, it seems like they like the last few games, they've been playing really well. I mean, based on the national coaches, you know, statement and the the leads that they've gotten themselves into over the past few games, they have that capability of playing really well and win games. And they just can't hold them out. Is it a matter of I've, I don't watch too many of the fire games? Is it a matter of like they keep going for more goals and leave themselves open. Do they just like sit back and aren't able to handle the pressure of like an onslaught? Like how are they losing these games? Is it just unluckiness? Um,
2: It's not so much unlucky. It's just that they're not good in the air in the back. And that's the way they give up a lot of goals is um, with balls coming in from out wide. And they're just, well, Calvo is, he's a good defender. He's a good defender with the ball. He's kind of a little David Luis in him um, in that he's a better defender when he has the ball, uh, when he's dependent to mark someone or make a tackle, that's when, you know, he is not, that's not his strength. And this second goal today was that he, you know, didn't mark his man. His man was moved over into Pineda's spot and Pineda was, had two guys and they just got beat and that's the second goal. And so it's, it's moments where they just have mental lapses and that's when the other teams score. Uh, it seems that those mental lapses happen in really bad times and really bad spots. And it's uh, it leads to a lot of goals. And it's similar to Arsenal in the same that those mistakes just lead to goals and that's unfortunate. Uh, but when they do have the ball, and then when they are playing well, they're fun to watch, they're spreading the ball around, they're taking people on. Uh, they just, there's a little bit, the final product is not always great, um, which they get themselves in really good spots and they just kind of fade away. And, you know, Collier is one of those players who, oh, I knew
1: you were going to say it.
2: Yeah. Well, he, and, <laughs> you know, Jeff, Jeff and I were watching this game tonight and it's, he, his final product is just very below average and it, it's unfortunate because he gets himself into really, really good spots. He takes players on, he uh, he he's big, he's physical, um, and he can you know out muscle people. But then just when he gets into that spot, he just doesn't know what to do. And you know, there's a couple players like that. Frankowski is another guy that's like that. He's really dangerous, but just that final that final product is is not there, and that that hurts the squad in general. Frankowski had a good ball to Barrett today um, for the goal, but you know, there's just times that we need a goal from someone other than Barrett and it's not coming at the moment. So, you know, if Barrett doesn't score, then we're kind of hurting, but he is scoring. He's uh, second in the league on 10 goals from 22 games, which is a a good return for um, where, how he's been playing. And, you know, that's a, a good start. I think, there's a lot of pieces to build on and hopefully the season's not over um, and they can keep building on that and then really strengthen in the off season.
1: And it seems like that, even if the playoffs don't go so well for us that we still are are probably set up to have a pretty good future here in the next year or two. Uh, A lot of young players on the team that are performing well Mm -hmm. and um, hopefully, and unfortunately, Mike, I have to, I have to side with Joe at this point. Um, if no. if we get a, a better super sub, um, I'm doing air quotes here, uh, we might be able to uh find more goals, but maybe that's
0: the problem. Maybe he's being used as a super sub and he should be the
1: nailed in starter. That's and right, sit barrich and start collier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it's- it
2: yeah there and you're and you're right there's a lot of young players Alisada's is young he's like 21 I think oliveich is young um there's uh madron I think is relatively young I don't think Peneda
1: is a rookie isn't he
2: Kanada a rookie and he has been phenomenal I think uh, I haven't looked too much but he should be in the rookie of the year conversation uh, he has started every match I think um he is our most solid center back he's probably our best defender um he scored today. He uh, he's someone to that could be a fire defender for the next ten years, and I would have absolutely no problem with it. Um, he's got a leader written all over him. He might be next captain when that comes up. Uh, he's someone who the defense should be built around. He's just someone who's playing really well. He looks to go forward with the ball. He likes to play passes between the lines. He's uh, he's a really exciting product that we have. Um, with Barrett scoring goals like that, uh, Jimenez in the midfield, there's a lot of pieces to build off of. And hopefully the fire will build on this season and find pieces that can, um, add to a a good roster right now. Right now, the roster is in a good spot. Hopefully they add to it. Um, in years past, they have not. So I am cautiously optimistic um, since there's new ownership and hopefully they, and a new manager and, you know, everyone new kind of in the front office that will hopefully not be like they were in the past. And they'll use this as a building block and then go forward from here because there's a lot of good spots, a lot of good pieces
1: that can be built around. Fire's looking like a bright future. Um yep. That's good. Uh, is there any, uh, are there any developments from the administrative administrative side of things for the fire? I know that we this is our first year back at Soldier Field. There's a new crest. There were talks of some other changes. Uh, have you heard any any ins and outs in, in terms of other changes coming from the front office?
2: No, I haven't heard too much, which is which is a good thing. I think the weather the way they're going the way they were going in the past, there was just constant change and that's never good for any club and organization is just roster change, managerial changes, front office changes. That's what the fire were. They were just a team that everyone kind of moved through and it led to terrible on-field product. So I think not, and no news is, is good news at this point with everyone just kind of, you know, doing their job and playing their role and building something good because I think there's something good coming.
0: Definitely seems like it. And hopefully, you know, things keep progressing forward and they uh, can pull out a win on Saturday. Is it Saturday that they play? Yep. Hopefully they can pull that win out and uh, sneak into the playoffs and maybe they can make a run in the playoffs. You know, they're playing well. They just got to finish things out. And if it's a lot of pressure on the line, maybe that'll kind of boost them forward. It's
2: actually Sunday, Sunday, 2.30. Sunday two thirty. Sunday two thirty is uh, decision day, so every team's playing on Sunday two thirty.
0: Championship Sunday is how they do it in uh, across the pond. So, yep. big day. Hopefully, they can pull it out. Yep. Um, all right, things are looking pretty good with the fire. A little on the fence, but we're uh, we're, we're hoping for good things. We're gonna switch things over to Liverpool and Jeff. Um, so they took on West Ham. They got. Uh, a hard-fought win there and then they just kind of destroyed the darlings of the Italian league yesterday um, you have a pretty good week there Jeff
1: yeah I can't complain so the they started out with the game against West Ham and it was as a game that kind of uh, encapsulated the, the beginning of the season so far uh, not playing great uh, defensively we gave up the first goal and let West Ham kind of take their, their game plan and just sit in with nine defenders and uh, kind of was reminiscent of the, first, the beginning of the season so far. And, um, you know, to be honest, it was kind of it reminded me of some games from last season as well, where we went behind, games weren't going well, we weren't playing well. And then by the end of the game, we end up winning. And it really you just feel it as a supporter and probably as a player when you're in a stretch where things are going well, things, even when you go down, things don't seem so bad and you just kind of have the confidence that things are going to come back. So even though we went down one, nothing uh, kind of early on, uh, you just had this feeling that there, is, we're at Anfield, it's West Ham. We're just going to come back. And, and that's what happened um not that it was easy that it was it was ugly at times and and, and we kept prodding and prodding and prodding and then we got a, a decision for us finally um masala got got kicked um some would deem it soft some would say you know he got kicked and so it's a they penalty breathed down wrong like and you know, so available. He got his spot kick and he nailed it um so that, that kind of brings a talking point up of, of the penalties, and and really, the, and I'll touch on later, is, is the decisions that have been going against Liverpool this season. Uh, we've had a lot of goals called back, um, points dropped against Everton. Um, there's just been points that have been dropped from VAR, from ref decisions. And so even if this one was deemed soft, in my opinion, or in others' opinions, I, I thought that it was still due. The, the soccer gods tend to even things out over the course of a season, so I think this one was coming due. And case in point, later in the game, uh, Jota came on, Shaqiri came on, and um, Jota put one in very shortly after he came on, and it got ruled out for a foul. Um, and it was really kind of a, a 50-50 foul, in my opinion. It, I could see it being given. Mane kind of crashed into the goalie, but they were both going for the ball, and they ended up calling a foul on Mane. Uh, so no goal for Jota. Um, so it's another goal that gets ruled out for us. And fortunately, the, the boys kept their head up, and uh, Shakiri played a – wonder pass just through the guy's legs. I don't remember who he he split, but right through his legs in, in behind the defenders and Jota had a beautiful run and just kind of tapped it in uh, over the goalie. So um, ended up finishing off the game and uh, not too much from West Ham to, to really trouble Allison or or the back line. Um, And speaking of the back line, Everyone is well aware of Liverpool's uh, troubles at center back position. With Van Dyke out for the season, you got Matip, who's still, you know, he's back in training, but not quite there yet. I don't think he was back in training for the for the West Ham game. Any? What's uh, the uh,
2: time frame on him? Do they know? On who? On uh, Matip.
1: Uh, Matip was actually on the bench uh, midweek, so he's okay. just about ready to go, um, but. The thing is that we, we really have <clears throat> Matt Phillips, um, Reese Wilson, and, and then some midfielder options like Jordan Henderson going in the back. Andy Robertson's played in the back three for, for Scotland. Um, and then Milner coming in as well. So there, there was some talk of the midfielders filling in for the center back. You had Reese Wilson who's been – or uh, Reese Williams who's been playing well in Europe. Uh, but he's a 19 year old and you don't want to necessarily rely on that. Um, So Nat Phillips was a surprise start and he was man of the match um, for many people. He was, he put no foot wrong. He, it was kind of funny the way that Klopp uh, described him at the end of the game. He says, you know, Nat Phillips knows his game really well and he played very simply (laughs) no, no, uh, no intricate passes and, He just played simple he he won all his aerial duels he he was in the position correctly he passed the ball around when he needed to he he actually pinged a couple passes cross field as well a very Van Dyke like Um, so it was awesome to see uh, Nat Phillips who we were expecting to leave the club before the season started um, come in and just played very very well Um, so that was nice Good to Good see to that, see. Like
0: With your, your injury concerns, you've had two players step in and do pretty well in that spot that you know uh, Van Dyke has left. And then um, with Fabinho going down, you've had two younger players step in and play really well in, in big games and get results out of it. So that's got to be a very positive sign for Liverpool at this point.
1: Yeah, it's funny because Nat Phillips doesn't seem like a young player, but he's 23, um, which is, is young. Uh, but the the alternative is a 19 year old and Joe Gomez himself isn't, you know, very old. He's only 23 himself. So um, it's, it's, it's nice to see just because Nat Phillips, I don't know if you guys remember, but last year, Nat Phillips during the, the January transfer window, he, he got recalled from like Stuttgart or something or somewhere in the Bundesliga got recalled for one game against Everton and then got sent back out on loan. <laughs> Uh, it was a really weird situation when he came back, he came in, he's, he's kind of cementing himself as a little bit of a cult hero in, in Liverpool folklore. So good to see, uh, also good to see Curtis Jones another start another 70 minutes and, and playing pretty well. Uh, love to see him, um, not only playing, but playing well. Um, Trent had a very great game. He went, he was just an unstoppable force down the sideline a like constant threat. So the, the kind of things that you expect to see out of Liverpool at this point. Um, unfortunately for West Ham, they, they were missing – was it um, – uh, who was out? Their big goal scorer. Uh, da, 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 da. Anyway, he – Antonio, been, McAllen. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Antonio. He's been in great form since the project restart, and um, unfortunately for them, he, he couldn't start. So it yeah, would have been interesting. If Antonio
0: played, that may have been a much different game. Um, maybe not I think, been. a little bit more chances as far as West Ham goes. They would have been a little bit more aggressive in the box. I don't think Hilaire is that kind of player. Um, he seems to be a pretty like in a dry spell at this point for leading back to last season. So I mean, that was that was not a good uh, ideal scenario for for West Ham at least. But Liverpool played really well.
2: Yeah, I think Antonio would have put some different pressure on the center back pair, but I, I think you know, I I think Liverpool would have handled it. All right. I think it would have been just a different kind of problem. Um, you know, that physical get in behind you kind of find himself in good spots, which Antonio has been doing as of late. So it would have just been different, but I I think Liverpool would have been okay. I think they would have been all right with it.
1: Yeah. Antonio also, he's kind of a complete player. He, he can get in behind, but he can also hold up play. He's good in the air, but he's also good with his feet. Um, I really like him as a player, so uh, I was slightly happy to see him not able to make the Liverpool game, but um, a little selfish there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> understandable.
1: <clears throat>
0: uh, so then uh, yesterday you guys took on Atalanta.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the free scoring uh, Italian team coming through the what were they semifinalists last year in Champions League? Yeah, I, mean, I think uh,
0: so. Yeah. Surprising no. everyone capture the hearts of Europe and then you guys just <laughs> ripped that heart out and stepped on it midweek yeah, yeah. I, I think
2: at, at Atlanta's uh just they just want to score more goals than you oh yeah I think and it, it's a, a fun as a neutral it's a great a great philosophy to watch um I think it must be hard for them their supporters uh when thinking they don't score and they give up five goals I think that's not what they're looking for and you know, it seemed like uh, the Jota show.
1: Yeah, wow. Uh, so that brings me into my first beer. Uh, it's called Bright Start from uh, I'm sorry, Makushla Brewing Company. <laughs> it was kind of hard to find this one, but I, I needed something to encapsulate the, the start that Diogo has uh, started for the club. Um, raised a lot of eyebrows when he was bought for $40 million. I think he's the third highest. Um, paid player I'm sorry third highest fee for a player in Liverpool history so uh, it was a bit surprising because no one really saw it coming and you're like what do you mean you're passing up Borner for 30 million to get Diogo for 40 million uh, it was it was kind of surprising to me uh, let alone you know everyone else so uh, he's come in and he scored something like six goals in his last four games eight in his first seven um and it was kind of a eyebrow razor a little bit at the at, you know at the beginning of the game to see Firmino dropped and 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 Jota uh, filling in for the new front three so how did uh, they line up how do they line up in that with Jota pretty, in there pretty they um Jota went through the middle and Mane okay. and Salah were outside so it was pretty much a straight swap and Jota played really well. He's different than Firmino, obviously. Firmino is more of a, you know, fancy foot type player. And Jota, yeah, he scored three different types of goals. Is uh, One of them, he brought it out of the air from a Gomez pass over the top. One touch, cut towards the middle, and a beautiful finish. Another one, I think the last one, Mane played him in behind, so he was running off the shoulder. Uh, great, you know, touch around the goalie and, and a tidy finish. And did he get a header? I don't remember his first goal now, but he, he had three very nice, very tidy goals that kind of surprised the, the back line. And he was just clinical at this point. He, I think he's, he only took like three or four shots. He, he was threw in on goal as well in the first few minutes. He, sh- he probably should have put another one away. He just looked so dangerous at this point. Um, so it was, it's it's great to see just because, you know, when Firmino's not putting balls in the back of the net, we didn't really have anyone to step in. You know, like uh, okay, well, Bombing's not scoring goals, so who's gonna come in? Oh, well, maybe Pepe. Pepe is pretty dangerous, you know. You, you have these different different threats. Um, not maybe a one for one for Obama Yang, but or you got through the middle, uh, you got uh what in you got Lacazette. Mm-hmm. Who, um you know, at least you have different options. And Liverpool didn't have that. So having now Jota being able to come in and, and give Firmino some competition can only help. So You,
0: you, you touched on that, Jeff. So does this create a problem? I guess, like, if it is, it's a good problem for, for Klopp in terms of Firmino's biggest, I guess, criticism for the last season or so is, like, his scoring output. But he does so well off the ball and creating the goals. Is this a problem where like Jota could take more of a starting role and jump into that, that three headed monster of Liverpool? Or is this just like, you know, he had a good game, he's scoring goals, but
1: Bobby's, Bobby's the guy. Uh, There's, there's kind of two parts to that. Number one is that it doesn't have to just be a uh, three headed monster. We we've lined up in the recent past as like a four, two, three, one, with all four of them up front, the Fab Four. Um, it hasn't been as effective as this last game against Atlanta. Um, not much has, because that was almost like a perfect game. Um, but you have to, at big clubs, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, etc. cetera, you have to provide competition for spots. And if Firmino is not providing the end product needed, And everyone will say this about Firmino is that he's always, he will forever be Klopp's guy, right? He's done so much that Klopp has asked and done things right. And he's, he's not always judged on his goals, but if you could get the production as well from someone else, then maybe you get Firmino at his best again, because of the competition he's got to raise his game or he's going to start on the bench. Um, So that's, that's a big club problem. And so, Yes. Yes, I think there is a problem, but it's a good problem and a problem that a big club needs to have.
2: And if Firmino wants to fix it, you just got to start scoring too. And I think, um, you know, that kind of is the way I feel with Lacazette. I really like Lacazette. Like I'm sure you really like Firmino. They just – if they added goals to their game, you don't even think about replacing them. Um, But when you're up top and you're not scoring goals – there's it puts a lot of pressure on the other guys when um, if Firmino was scoring more goals because I really like the player too I think he's he's one of those players that he makes the game look simple um, when it's the things he's doing is not simple his hold-up play you know bringing people into the match is is fun to watch um, but if Jota's coming in and playing a similar role and scoring goals, it's hard to not have him on the field. So, you know, it's a problem that Liverpool has, but I'm sure that they're okay with that problem.
1: Yeah, otherwise, why would you pay for him? Right. You know, you just stick with Rigi and keep Brewster and, and then, you know, try to provide the competition that way. But no, they wanted to, to bring in someone who puts legitimate pressure on the, the front three, not just for Mino, because Jota could play out in Mane's position as well. So it it was a, it was a move to, to make sure that, you know, we're at the top of the league and we want to make sure we stay there. So it's, it's good to see. Um, so not only were we bringing in new players up top, but Curtis Jones got another start and played really, really well. And, again, Reese Williams, since he is um, – Nat Phillips was – not registered in Europe because they were expecting him to go on a loan. So that's, I think, a reason why he played against West Ham. Reese Williams then came in midweek and, um, again, didn't put a foot wrong. Was aerial, you know, it was dominant in the air. His passing was great. He was calm, collective. He was very Van Dyke-like and uh, got another clean sheet under his belt. So, it was great to see not only Curtis Jones, a homegrown player, getting the start and playing the full 90, Reese Williams played the full 90, but then Nico Williams came on as well in the 82nd minute, uh, another homegrown player. So we had three homegrown players on the field at one time, which is, you know, very few and far between in England lately. Um Samik, um Costa came back from injury and was able to get some minutes under his belt. Keita came back from uh, injury, was able to play a bit as well. So overall it couldn't have been much better of a game at all. Um, Matip was on the bench, but didn't feature at all. He didn't need to. Uh, Keita got some minutes. Shakiri and Minamino were on the bench, but weren't needed. Um, so we got some minutes for guys that need them. Um, we got our homegrown players on the field. We got Jota firing like crazy. We got all three front players scoring, um, uh, got the clean sheet. I don't know what else could have gone right that game. It, it was just a capitulation of everything that needed to happen. And now Liverpool are three for three in their first three games of, um, European, uh, Champions League soccer, which is actually never happened before, believe it or not. This is the first time ever that Chan- that Liverpool have won their first three games in uh, group stage Champions League. So, put some put them in a spot to rest some players for the weekend. Wait, 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 no, can't. We got City. We can't. We got City coming up. So, so we're gonna...
2: do you think do you think Matip goes in? Is he healthy enough for that, or they hold him till the international break?
1: I think Matip will get the nod if he's healthy enough to make the bench um, for when, uh, for Tuesday, then he, by, certainly by Sunday, he's going to be fine. So he's the senior player. I, I think he comes in no question. Um, so it's Matip, uh, Gomez in the middle, um, Trent and Robertson midfield, still probably Henderson Wijnaldum maybe Jones again. And then the front three. Uh, they could, I could see them going to the four-two-three-one again and, and dropping Curtis Jones and something like Henderson and Wynaldum and then uh, the Fab Four up top. So we shall see. But um, it was interesting. Just, you know, who knows what the center-back pairing is going to be. And um, that's, I'm sure, something that you guys have uh, looked at this season, you know, especially this last week. With uh, your game, you know, you got center back problems as well. You know, you got too many, and then you have injuries. So um,
0: We're perfect. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: Our, our center back position is not even a problem at this point.
2: Yeah, when we rotate our center backs, we put in Mustafi and Kalazinac. That's what <laughs> we do. That's how we rotate. We don't go young when
0: we rotate. We go old. And we get think the on job the world. we pick on Europe with our star studded center back pairing. Oh yikes. Yeah.
2: yeah I think when when we saw or at least when I saw that lineup and I saw those two, I think those two the only two that they the only people they strike fear into are Arsenal supporters when they're on the field at the <laughs> same time. I think Dundalk was like, oh man, we might get something from this. Uh, but thankfully they did not. Um, yeah it was a a good time to rotate um Dundalk I think was just there for the experience um so that was
0: Irish champs I think I mean there was a lot of build up on like the radio that like everyone wanted Dundalk to like shock Arsenal and like they're asking how many goals were Dundalk gonna beat Arsenal by and all this stuff and I got slightly worried because I literally know nothing about Dundalk or the Irish League I just know that it's not great um, but they are the Irish champs. So I was like, eh, maybe, maybe they'll give us something. And then I saw the lineup, and I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> are we like <laughs> playing against like a high school team. Like, what? Why are we setting up like this? It was terrifying. Um, and then the game played out as it did, and it was a pretty comfortable three-zero win. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on the? You know, the lineup was what it was. I mean, I mean, it kind of speaks to itself. But what do you think about the game?
2: Um, I mean. I think it just kind of the play in the, a team from Ireland. I think they, they knew that they had the, they had Manchester United in mind in this lineup, um, yeah. which was, which was okay. Uh, getting some people, some minutes that, you know, need them, um, should have them like Reese Nelson. That's what we were talking about last podcast, getting Reese Nelson and see what he can do. Joe Willick, uh, Maitland Niles, see what those guys can do. Um, and, you know, they played well. Uh, Joe Will getting on the score sheet. You know, that was good. Um, Pepe, he's – I don't know what's up with him. I'd like to see more of him. Apparently Arteta doesn't fancy him with the way he's not not getting him in those matches and um, letting him play in Europa instead of getting him in the league, which is is different. But –
1: is it maybe his work ethic? I mean, I, I don't watch the games as you guys do, but you know, Arteta seems to be a, a work ethic and and buy into the system type of guy. So he does not look like he's doing that to get the minutes in the league, in Premier League.
2: I think it's something like that. Um, I think he works hard. I don't, I don't want to say that he doesn't work hard. I just think his defensive ability is not um, up to the level that Arteta wants. Uh, and you know, that's, Something that you don't sign Pepe to play defense. It's kind of like you don't. And I think he plays more defense than Ozel, you know, the forbidden guy to talk about. But I just think it's, it's just he's not, he's not someone who plays in every situation, which I would like to see more of him. I think he, you know, if we're not, if we're going to play the five, two, three, whatever we play there just needs to be more creativity up top. And I think he offers that where, you know, like William, he doesn't offer that creativity, but he worked, he has that defensive kind of organizational work ethic that um, fits for that system that Arteta is trying to play. Uh, but, you know, he looked really good against Dundalk. He had a really nice goal. Uh, took the ball at the top of his box, balls under his foot, pulled it back and put it uh, upper ninety with his right foot. Um, to start off the second half, which, you know, was a good goal. Um, You know, there was a good stretch of time right there. I think it was, you know, three goals in eight minutes or something like that uh, to end the first half and start the second. So, you know, it was just – we got the kids some minutes, got some of the the fringe players some time, uh, keep them fresh. And, you know, we got through.
0: Yeah, so I thought it was a good game. You know, I think – touching on what we may have quote unquote disagreed on last podcast about like shape and everything. I think, while I don't think Man U is the the game to break out like a four through three all attack. I think this game was against Dundalk. And it, it seemed like, especially in the first half, most of the first half, we were still dropping in a third person, like shotgun of the center back role and didn't seem like we needed that. We could have just, applied a ton of pressure to get those front players involved um but yeah I think we we dominated that game start to finish we didn't really give up any chances um Joe Willick had himself a hell of a game I thought he really stood out Reese Nelson played really well too uh Pepe played well the great goal my concern I don't know Joe if you share this but yeah, we won 3-0, but two of those goals were on mistakes from Dundalk. Like, the keeper came out, completely missed the ball, and it just dropped to, to Um, Willick was on the end of, like, a, a turnover, um, and then, you know, Pepe's goal was what it was. It was a fantastic finish, but I, we still didn't create a ton, and that's kind of worrying against a team like Dundalk when we should, one, dominate all the possession and just create chance after chance after chance. Is that... I mean, that worries me. I mean, does that worry you at all?
2: Yeah. I think that's, you know, something that we're struggling with at the moment is just finding that creativity and, you know, it's back to that formation that we just, I think this is a formation we need to play to make ourselves successful against, you know, better teams. I could have, I would have been a lot better if this was a four, three, three, and we kind of tried to go at them and, and see what can happen. Um, But you know, a scrappy goal, they're in the right spots. I think, uh, the Willow goal, I, you know, it was a good finish. It was a good, you know, counter and press and we got the ball and then we, we struck and that was good. Um, where there's times in the past that we do that, but then, you know, the final product is lacking and hopefully that we're turning a new leaf and we're putting in those chances. Um, Joe Willock is, uh, he's someone, I don't know what to think about him. Um, I think he he gets himself in good spots. I, I, I would really have liked to see him go out on loan and see what he could do at a you know, a mid-table team or a upper championship team where he gets a lot of minutes and he's someone that the team focuses around. Um, because I, I think like him and Reese Nelson and those kind of younger fringe players who they're not so young anymore. I think that they're at a time where they need to to either be in the lineup or, or let's move them on and see what happens. I think, you know, they're still, they're still young and which is great, but you know, when, what are we waiting for with them? Um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's now or never, cause they're kind of just pieces that are there that we don't really know what they can offer. Um, so I, I like to see, more of them in the Europa League and just kind of let them be free and see what they do. Uh, This formation can kind of lock them into a spot and not as be as free as a 4-3-3 kind of has more fluidity in it, um, which I think these players might benefit from, especially in the Europa League when you can take more risks in the group stages because you're playing a team like Dundalk that should be able to dominate and completely control a match and and they did that they controlled the match but you know we would like them to control it and be more creative i can see that
0: yeah Uh, um like i said i mean they got the result that they wanted they got the shutout which was great um and you know to to move on from that game just real quick insert you know totem lost one zero so that's always a good sure did um, well, that so I don't just the faint thing I love about Bale at this point in his career is he still thinks he can shoot from like 60 yards away and go upper 90 and score. So I will I'll watch him like shoot from that distance and just hit a ground ball to the keeper <laughs> or pickup all day, every day. Uh, but that's it, you know. And then, um, so then we played Man U over the weekend and the big yeah, one first win in five years on the road, and then also first win at Man U. Since like 2006. Like, yeah. what a terrible record that is. And we were man- we managed to get that trip off our shoulder and get that off our back and-, and move forward and finally got a win on the road against like a big six team. So um, while we discussed that, you know, the formation is what it is, we have our differences on it. This was not a game to toy around and, and play like an open attacking formation um, because they are a counterattacking team. I think the setup was really good. The three, four, three, five, three, two, however you want to call it. I mean, mm. I've, I've come to notice, especially with Arteta and a lot of like, like coming from Pep, formations really don't mean anything at this point in where the game is. Players are going to play a certain roles and functions and they're going to be where they're supposed to be regardless. I mean, it goes from like a three, four, three to a four, four, two, five, three, two, whatever. It's all fluid. It's all, in-game scenario and, and game management. But I think how we deployed against Man U was right, and it was spot on for a game like that. Um, they came at us with a, a diamond in the middle, and we just owned them for about 80% of that game. They had a 10, 12-minute in the beginning of the second half, but, I mean, they really didn't get anything out of it. We, we handled it. We absorbed it, and then we, we took control back. And, again, same with Lester. That first half was – Probably some of the best we've played um, this season, and we're unfortunate not to score. I think, but uh, before we get into that lineup, we uh, the, the one shocking thing that I think we saw was El Neni was was paired up with Party. I know, like we were both kind of like, ooh, I don't know El Neni because to me, like I I know I've said on the podcast, he's he's a good player for maybe like the lower half. I didn't expect him to be starting in a game like this. Especially with the man you riding high off a 5-0 win against Leipzig. Um, bit of a shock intro, but you know, what did you think? So I think I think El Nene is a
2: is a good squad player for Arsenal. I, I think I might be a little high, more a little higher on him. Um, but that being said, I think you know exactly what you're gonna get from El Nene, and it's not going to be or at least what you think. He's not going to be someone to run at defenders with the ball, drag the team forward. Um, he's going to be someone who's solid enough. He gets the ball, he plays it sideways or backwards, and he keeps possession pretty well. Um, and when I saw him in the lineup, I was – I think I think him being in the lineup, that Leipzig result had a little impact in that, um, the way they're flying high. And him and Party would be a, a more – solid, you know, keep everything in front of you, a keep possession kind of pairing. Um when you know if United's beaten Leipzig five nothing they're feeling good and they're gonna want to control the match. And I think El Nene and Party is a is a decent partnership to kind of break things up. But you know the way the match played out El Nene was my man of the match. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um the way he played playing some good balls, keep possession. And that sequence at the end of the match where he's running down that ball was something that we haven't had at Arsenal in a very, very, very long time. You know, 91st minute and he is dead sprint 70 yards chasing the ball. And, you know, good old Harry Maguire dribbling out of bounds. And, you know, it's, that's because of his pressure. And that's those, those little things that I think Arteta loves um, and, is looking for from every, every player on the pitch. And if El Nene is going to keep doing that, then he's going to find himself in, in moments, in more moments than he might've thought he would at the beginning of the season. And if he can keep playing like that, I'm, I'm good with him on the field, but I'd rather Xhaka or Ceballos from the start, but you know, El Nene, the way he played, I don't think he did a thing wrong. He was him and party were a great partnership and, just completely owned Manchester United's midfield. The two of them owned the four United players, and that's yeah. I think that's where we won the match.
0: Hundred percent. I think we dominated. I mean, yeah, Pogba in there, and I mean, like Fred was probably the the weirdest choice for them. I, I don't know why they don't start Vanderbeek uh, for the amount of money they played, and he's a good player. I don't know why they put Fred in there instead of him. But you know, I'll take that against us any day. You know, I'd, I'd rather them start. Fred, but, you know, if there's anyone out there who's still wondering why Ozil isn't in the squad, I mean, look at what Nani did in the 91st minute. I mean, he ran more in that, like, 10, 15 seconds than Ozil does in most of the game. So, I mean, that's the stuff that he's looking for as far as Arteta goes. And, I mean, that explains a lot in terms of his squad selection. Um, I Nani just played really solid all game, and I think he – he's one of those players who may play up to like his partner's level. Like, I mean, he, he plays next to Shaka. He's going to do like be at that level. Cause he knows what he's going to get from him and he's not going to try do too many crazy things. And I think party kind of excels other people as well. I think party had a really solid game. El Neni played just fantastic with an engine that he has. And um, I think what we did in this game was we pressed a lot more and a lot higher up the pitch too. I think, when Arteta first came in, we were pressing all over the place in the first like nine or so games that he had, and we just kind of stopped doing it at some point, which is unfortunate because we have a lot of success when that happens. I mean, in the beginning, you saw Ozil pressing people, which you never see. And then I don't know whether it was instruction or not. We just kind of stopped, and it shows that we can do that, and it's obviously something that they work on. We just like to see it more. Um, especially in big games and in better games. Um, And man, we just dominated that, that, that first half for definitely. And then just kind of spilled over. We should have had a couple more goals. I think Um, it's just that creativity stuff. I think we were unlucky that um, Lindelof got that touch and made the lock. Does that look like he just swung and missed, but I think there was a slight touch on that. So I'll, I'll let that one go. Um, Saka probably should have scored off that header. Um, William, unlucky at the crossbar. I mean, we had chances. We created. We did very well in that first half. Um, but I think, you know, with the penalty, I think it was good that the bombing game scored. He got on the score sheet, got that dry spell kind of over with. And it would be nice to see some level of consistency. It's good to see that we kind of had a different game plan for this game where instead of sitting back and absorbing the pressure, which is what you touched on before the game, like we're just going to sit back and absorb and look to counter. We actually took the game and then we pressed them. We forced turnovers and we played in a different manner, but same kind of setup, which was good to see. Cause it was almost like a plan B. It was <laughs> crazy, you know?
2: <laughs> and I think with this formation, the players look a lot more comfortable. Like they know their role and they know what's expected of them and, and where each other is going to be you can just kind of feel that like when they get the ball and they turn they know where players are going to be which is something that's fun to watch you know they can they know that Tierney's going to be moving up on the left and people are going to slide over and you know Sokka if he's playing that wing back he's going to be way up playing like almost like a left wing and Aubameyang's going to kind of go into the middle and that left side is is open and and party and El Nene were finding that left side a lot and you know it was it was a good a good match from Arsenal and hopefully that is there's a lot more of it because the way that we dominated the midfield you couldn't tell that there were only two guys in there which is you know a lot of credit to party and El Nene because that's a lot of ground to cover um, as a central midfielder to cover all that especially with those four guys that were there you you never really like to be outnumbered in the midfield, in the center of the, of the midfield. And they didn't look outnumbered. They looked like they outnumbered Manchester United because of the way that they were playing. And, you know, a party It's still really early in his Arsenal career, but
0: so the guy good. looks
2: like an absolute player. Um, there were times, like, he gave the ball away and I was like, what are you doing? And then, like, one second later, he's back there poking the ball and, and winning it back. And, you know, he he looks like Patrick Vera. He kind of plays like Patrick Vera. That's a lot of pressure or whatever, but, you know, he's already said that he sees himself like a Yaya Torre going forward and um, Essien going back. Those are his role models. And if he can be half those players, um, you know, he's, the way he's playing is he's going to be there for a while. And, you know, it looks, he looks like a, the focal point of that midfield for a long time. And hopefully we build around them and find those pieces.
0: Yeah, I think him coming in along with Gabrielle, they provide a level of physicality that we haven't had um, in recent years. And I think something that we did against Man U is something that other teams were doing against us last year, especially I think we touched on it against like Brighton is that teams would come in and like bully us and like be overly physical, especially like with bombing and our front line and just get us frustrated. And we were such a soft team that we wouldn't be able to, like, respond to that. But we did the exact same thing to Man City or Man United. We were kicking Rashford all over the field. Like, he couldn't get anything going. We were just very physical, and that's not usually how we play. It's good to see that Gabrielle has that about him and um, Pardee has that about him. And we just seem like a different team with them in it now. Um, it's exciting to see and it's exciting to see that we're going to have something pretty promising going forward for the next few years. Uh, Hopefully we can find a a solid long-term partnership for Gabrielle. Hopefully one day that's Saliba, Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with him. But, you know, at the end of the day, we we got that one nil to the arsenal and especially over Man City or Man United, which is a a pretty big rival at this point. But, even though if
1: they're low at the table, that's going to be a competitor for us,
0: you know, moving down into the season. So, yep.
1: hey, um, anytime you guys want to beat Man U, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I know it's not quite the, the rivalry it used to be when it was like Ferguson versus Fanger. But I mean, it's still Man U and it's still a win and we'll take it. And especially in this season where, you know, anyone can win on any day. I mean, it's going to be important to rack up points, especially against those teams who are expected to finish towards the top but uh it's two games we got two we got another game coming up uh tomorrow against mold um it'll be nice to beat two of alligunner soul teams in one week i mean i'll take that um jeff did you watch any of the arsenal game i mean i'm sure you didn't watch any of it but
1: no unfortunately i didn't have the time but um (laughs) i I tried to watch the midweek game because you know Working from home, you could just throw it on another another monitor. Uh, but it wasn't on TV, um, or at least the TV that I had. So uh, I'm going to try to watch the Molda game tomorrow. It's on ESPN 3. So we'll see if I have that. Um, but uh, Arsenal man, you, no, unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, so you guys got on the weekend then?
0: We have the Villa.
1: Yeah. All right. The underdogs,
0: the, the the story of this season.
1: Well, they've been they've been slipping. So I uh, I feel bad been, for Martinez. We were talking so highly about him, and
0: then he gets four put by second over the weekend. Um, I mean, all really good goals. There's not much he could be doing about most of them.
1: Yeah, someone dropped him from uh from, from fantasy there.
2: <laughs> Al- Allison's healthy. I think Allison's got the
1: nod. <laughs> I don't blame you. He the, the Liverpool defense playing the way they have been, you know, there's that's a shoe-win right there. Let's yeah,
2: um, we got an international break, huh? That's right. We we got our USA boys playing. They got on yeah,
1: the I'm really excited to see them play. Uh not only because it's been a while, but the the lineup that they put up uh, that they named was essentially entirely European players since MLS is coming up to playoffs. And there's there's some exciting, I mean, potentially an exciting lineup being put out there. Some champ, like ton of Champions League players that that can be put into one team.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's a we'll get to see him play. We haven't seen them in a long time. Uh, some players making some big moves. serginho Des going to Barcelona. You got Zach Stefan is number two in uh, that city, right? Yep. Yeah, he's you know he's on the bench a lot, um, for them, which is a good thing. Weston McKinney at Juventus, so there's players that are making big moves, and they might not be huge players on those squads. Dest is he's you know he's their right back at Barcelona, um, but think that they're, they're gets playing to play a game. lot. Yeah, so Ivano
1: Arena has been playing a ton.
2: Yeah, so those hopefully this experience will, um. You know, turn the corner and we'll start making some, some good play and start turning the corner and national team play.
1: Should be interesting. Um, you know, we get we get to play a Wales team that is going to be managerless for. Uh, uh, what was it? It was a alleged um, domestic some, violence. Yeah, some Ryan Giggs over there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Giggs is a—he wouldn't hurt a fly. What's he doing over there?
1: Allegedly, allegedly, he's innocent until proven guilty. But they all decided it was best for him to step down at this that point. That's not a good sign. Temporarily,
2: Michael get to watch Bale hit some more sixty-yard
1: bombs. You
0: know. <laughs> I barely make it to the keeper.
1: Uh, that should be interesting. But so, how's our uh, how's our fantasy and and, and Pickham's doing? Guys, I am
0: like one point away from second place in the fantasy. I'm so close to catching up to
1: Jeff. Yeah, you, you had me for a bit until uh, I think Lester played. Yep. Yeah, you had a
2: big Saturday, Mike. I had a good good weekend. I think, <laughs> I think everyone was over over at least 10 points on Saturday for you, which was a good one.
0: It was funny. So I, had, I woke up, I looked at the Chelsea lineup, and then I put Zayek in there, and then I took a nap. And then I woke up and Pulisic got hurt during warm up, And so he was in my lineup and didn't play. So I would have had, I think I would have been in second had I known that he didn't play in that game.
2: Yeah. What kind of manager goes to sleep during the
0: match? <laughs> one who has a newborn. that's the one.
2: <laughs> Um, pick them. I had a good week this week and made no ground, which is yeah, sorry about really that. demoralizing. Um,
1: I think what? we all had a pretty decent week
2: yeah, yeah. i think that's probably because a lot of the results seem to go to the yeah
1: it was interesting because the previous week week five um or i guess it was two weeks ago now um between the three of us there was what so there's 30 different picks you know 10 10 games between yep. the three of us times three there's 30 of them we got two of them right <laughs> it wasn't two. looking good for us uh, it, was, it was pretty bad, and then, and then obviously we came back this week, and all, all of us I think got at least seven, uh, at least six. Um, I think I, I think I got seven. Yeah. Yeah, we got some interesting matchups coming up: Everton, Man U. So, um, so that that'll be a fun one. Um, and then the rest of them are kind of like meh. The biggest one, obviously, is Liverpool City. Um, this is going to be at City, so should be an interesting game. City are playing better, and, but have some injuries. You know, who knows? But what do you, what do you think? What do you think, Jeff? What's the result? <sighs> I, I'm I'm gonna be. I'm going to, I'm, I'm hoping for a draw at this point. I, I don't know. I think the midweek result helped uh, Helped the confidence. Um, I think that we still have the ability to go there and win. I just kind of have a feeling that we've, we've, we've beaten them so many times at city now, um, that I think it's time. I think we're due for a loss, but <clears throat> I'm hoping for a draw. That's what, that's what I'm going to say at this point. Score.
0: Uh 3-3. Wow. Wow. Yeah,
1: Yeah. make sure you tune into this game because it's gonna be a fun one. Okay. Neither of these teams are defending all that well, so but tune in to watch some goals, folks. Um, Arsenal have
0: Villa, the return of Emmy Martinez. Joe, what do you think? Scoreline result. Two-nothing Arsenal at the Emirates. I'll take that. I'm I'm Ooh, that's yeah. I think it's gonna be like a two-one or a three-one Arsenal. I, I don't think we're gonna keep that clean sheet against Jack Grealish and co. But I think we'll win. I think we'll get that dub. Um, this is the second week in a row where I've forgot to mention my beer. So um, it is called Lost Palette. It's from Goose Island. It's gotta go with my hazy IPA. I do enjoy those. This one is, uh, it's interesting. It it caught my attention with the flavors, mango and cinnamon. Um, I was trying to tie it in with, you know, something in arsenal, but I, its just a good beer that I was really interested in trying and it turned out to be a a win for me. Um, So Goose Island lost palate. I seem to have lost my palate to remember to talk about the beers. So maybe that's my tie in. We'll see. see Hey, that makes the, Uh, Joe, what do you got over there?
2: um i just went with some good skip this because i got nothing <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing today uh, joe's oh, going to uh, be
1: dry november that should yeah. be some fantasy points uh yeah,
0: that's, oh, f- i won't pick a match
1: <laughs> uh,
0: you should drop your whole midfield in the fantasy league and, and go oh, speak-
2: i do have to drop uh he's got the covid Oof, not good
0: for chelsea a goof. he's i have him i think no i don't i don't have No, him. i have him so i do have to drop him Uh oh but
2: oh i think i'll just throw in jordan henderson should be okay
0: <laughs> he's good for you know seven eight points yeah all right well, i think that's a good spot to bring it to a close we um we have a one new thing. We are now live on Instagram. You can find us at beer underscore football on Instagram. So get at us there. Shoot your questions there as well as, as far as Twitter. Um, we are at beer football pod um, with Twitter. Um, this is Guys, this is our 25th episode. 25 episodes. Where does we can now legally rent a car that's exciting if the the podcast ever goes on on holiday somewhere you know yeah one more year we can get off code get our own insurance hey Hey, that's what i'm looking forward to but uh it's pretty exciting stuff we've made this last 25 episodes with a little bit of a break in between but uh, we're doing it guys this is yeah this is got legs we're international we're worldwide we're on
1: social media instagram now we're, we're making it big time only matter of time before we quit our jobs, and this is <laughs> the only thing we do. We just go pro from here, you know?
0: <laughs> definitely. Starts with the 25th uh, episode, so. Hey, Mike, it uh, actually
1: starts with all the fans that we have out there. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you all. From every country, from every brewery, from every Joe in, in, in Ohio. <laughs>
0: Uh, list is not one of our better sign offs, but you know, it's fun, we're having a good time with it. <laughs> uh, shout out to Goose Island with Lost Palette, and then uh, bright start from McCushla Brewing was Jeff's choice this week. And then Joe didn't have a choice this week, so uh, I dropped the ball. Joe chose to not to choose, yeah. so just here joke. to talk about the game this time. It's about that football, not so much that beer stuff. That we're okay with that. Yeah,
2: we're almost coming up to a
0: year. December December. is a year, yeah. It's, man, time flies. Sure does. When you're in COVID times, you know? Crazy. (laughs) But uh, that's another one in the books. We'll be back next week, as always. And uh, the Thrupple say goodbye and have a good weekend. Enjoy the games. And as always, next round is on us. Cheers.
2: Cheers. All right, recording.
0: Yeah. I had to get it out. (laughs) <laughs> Had to be done. Had to be done. And welcome back to Beer <laughs> and Football. Karma is indeed a B. Um, I thought that song was pretty fitting since we talked so much smack about uh Aston Villa giving it to Liverpool and they pretty much just did the same thing to us. So I felt you know, we'll open the door for Jeff to uh, to give us some comments on, on this, this go-around. But uh, we are back. We, uh, we used the international break to take a little time. Um, I, you know, in all honesty, I just needed extra time to get over the loss to Villa. So I think we just, we took an extra few days, but we were back bringing you the content that you all want and love. The Thruple, we are here, Jeff and Joe. Jeff, how are we doing this week?
1: Doing fantastic, Mike. It's, uh, it's Imperial Stout season, and... If there's no good Premier League soccer going on, football going on, at least I got my beer. So I'm excited for that. Uh, Don't get to talk about too much Liverpool. So um, I got some beer to talk about as well. So
0: is it like fall, Imperial Stout, winter, spring, summer? How's how's it rank for you?
1: Uh, Rank? Well... The imperial stouts just—they come in when when it starts getting cold and you need something warm in your belly, and it's nice and thick, it's syrupy, it's it's malty, it's delicious, uh, it's it's strong and and flavorful. So uh, you definitely don't want to be drinking too many of these in the summertime. Uh, so this is a beautiful time of the year when it comes to beer lovers. So I'm excited for that aspect.
0: That's beautifully put, Jeff. I don't. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> Joe, how are we doing? We're good. Yeah, can't complain.
2: Um, school is school. Uh, it's picking up. Just finished report cards, so that that's kind of behind me now. And you know, now we're back in the international break. Done. Back to watching some football on the weekend, and and going from there
0: yeah and quite a bit has happened since we uh we last were on here um we'll we'll jump into a lot of it we're going to talk about the premier league results and uh we're going to touch on the international breaks uh the games and kind of the aftermath of everything that's going on there we'll touch on the fire and how their season kind of ended um and maybe we have something to look forward to next season question mark we'll, i uh, think i think so but
2: we'll talk <laughs> about
0: it Joe's optimistic, so I think we'll all be optimistic. Um, yeah, so we'll just jump in with the with uh, City and Liverpool. It's kind of slated for the the biggest game of the weekend. Um, first half would have said exactly that. It was a very intense, electrifying first half. Uh, came out of it one one, and then it just kind of petered out in the second half. So, Jeff, uh, what are your thoughts on the game? And we'll start with the lineup. Um, I know you guys have been facing some injuries. Most teams, when they lose defenders, they'll, you know, try to strengthen up the back line, but Liverpool just threw on a fourth attacker, and they just kind of went with four strikers up top. Seemed to work out pretty well for a while. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on the lineup and, and how the game shaped up?
1: So the back line was pretty uh, pretty much expected. Matip, we knew he, we were kind of saving him to come back for that game. He stepped in and, and did the Matip stuff uh, that he does. He, he was solid. He, was, he really didn't put a foot wrong. Gomez as well, so they had a good partnership, and then Robertson and, and Trent um, had a, a pretty decent at least first half. Um, I, I can't really say the same about anyone in the second half. So let's just talk about the first half. Um, so back line was as to be expected, and then there was a lot of talk pre game about Jota's form. You know, he's scoring a hat trick in Champions League. He's scoring in front of the cop. Um, you know, a week before. And Firmino is not, he's, he's still doing Firmino things and and linking up play and getting people involved and, and chasing people down and winning the ball back. But um, you know, there was a lot of people screaming for Firmino to to be dropped and and Joe to, to be put in. Well, what does Klopp do? Uh, He says, ah, fuck it. Just throw him on. Um, So they went with the front four and, um, and literally it was a front four. It was not, a, you know, four, two, three, one, as some would, would think it was, but it was a front four. Um, they dynamically moved. So the weak side player would just drop into the midfield, but there was at times when they had a, a line of four players up top and it, it created so much havoc with city in the first, um, first 10, 15 minutes, they didn't know what to do. And we got a bunch of chances. Um, so I was I was really excited to see it. Wijnaldum and Henderson had a ton to do uh, in the midfield because they were outnumbered. You had De Bruyne in there, so tons tons of work to be done. But uh, it, it seemed to work. Um, so there was there was a lot of positives to take from that first half. And from a neutral standpoint, man, was it fun. Um, back and forth. Uh, City had their typical. Um, Three in the midfield that were kind of running the show, but they they had a really tough time getting it. And and before Jesus scored, I think I, I was talking to you guys. I think that Jesus touched the ball once up until that point. So it was just um, it was just a really good performance for a long stretch of the the first half. Can't keep City down forever. Um, did you guys catch any of the game? Um, see the the tactical back and forth between the two coaches.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I watched it. Um, that first half was a lot of fun to watch. It was just back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, two really good teams not really worrying about defending, which was fun to watch as a neutral. You know, they're kind of, the game was wide open and they are kept going at each other. And um, that part was, was fun to watch. And, you know, they came to that handball with uh, Gomez and, that was a lot of, that was a big talking point. Um, and uh, so um, we, you know, it was a, with De Bruyne missing that ball or missing that penalty, you know, it kind of felt like, you know, what they say, like the ball doesn't lie, that kind of stuff. And, you know, he Gomez couldn't have done anything different. Uh, I think he was perfectly fine with his arms weren't out. He, you know, wasn't, purposely doing that he was turning his back it just hit his hand and you know that's something that is going to happen and you know you can see with the way that the game's playing now in the league and the refs are calling stuff that that was going to be a handball but you know that's where we get back to that talking point and something can change and but on a different note watching Kevin De Bruyne play this game is is fun he uh he's someone that when he has the ball, you can't take your eyes off of it. He's gonna do something with it. And you know, he's uh he's a really fun player to watch. And you know, Gomez, that ball that people that Deborah played off of Gomez, Gomez couldn't do anything. That ball was a perfectly placed ball, and if he does if it doesn't hit his hand, it's gonna be in a really dangerous spot. And you know, that's uh that was a, a turning point, and you know, it once that happened and the game kind of died down a little bit and things kind of changed in the first, the second half was, you know, just two teams that they seemed like they didn't want to lose in the first half. They both wanted to win and the second half. They both didn't want to lose. And, you know, but ended up the way it did, but it was a fun game to watch.
1: It was definitely a tale of two halves. Um, Mike, let me, let me throw this one at you a little bit. So there's been shouts for the five players, uh, five subs to come back. And, and we know your stance on the water break, so we won't even bring that up. Please don't. Uh,
0: I'm already getting upset about it, don't I?
1: Uh, But there, there have been a lot of talks, um, specifically from Pep and Jurgen, about uh, bringing the five sub back, five, five subs, uh, a team back. And Liverpool ended up doing two subs, and one was forced because Trent went down. And Pep only made one sub. So what what's your take on the the cry for these extra subs, but yet they're not even using all three subs in a game?
0: Yeah, that was kind of weird to me because on the sideline, I mean, you could see uh, Klopp and Pep talking throughout the game and uh, even after the game, and you could pretty much tell that they were like on the same page. Like there there's an issue here as far as like the subs and the injuries and the amount of games that all the players are playing. And a lot of the teams do want that, that five-sub rule change back. And it's weird that they didn't make those subs. I mean, if they're trying to rest players for one Champions League, all the, the, the cup game tournaments that they're in, and then international play, too, that was following up the week, like, it just didn't make sense to not make more changes. Um, and unfortunately, it cost Liverpool um, their right back, with Trent Alexander. but. I am coming around to the five subs rule only on the basis that the amount of games that these players are being asked to play, um, it makes a lot of sense to have extra subs due to all the injuries that are happening. Um, I am not on board with it for the sake of having having five subs just to get more players introduced into the game. I know it was kind of what uh, Joe maybe was talking about on previous pods of just getting new players in and getting them playing time. That's great and all, but that's not what this is designed for. I mean, it was implemented in the first place to relieve stress on the body and and, uh, reduce the amount of injuries. And that's kind of how I would lean towards it for just to have an option to not have players getting run into the ground, playing game after game. Um, Because a lot of teams only really play with a certain amount of players, like 14, 15 players. But the the rate at what players are getting injured at this point, I mean, it seems like Liverpool are dropping like flies um, and a lot of other squads are hurting because of that. And I, I think you do need the five subs rule at this point just so that players stop getting injured and they're not putting so much stress on the body.
1: Um, so so kind of to that point, so if they do introduce the five and – well, do you think that there could make I doubt that they would ever do this, but in the situation like with Liverpool City, they made three subs out of six between the two teams. Can you force the clubs to make a certain amount of subs before the end of the game? Right. If they're gonna be introducing this five subs and you're still only making two, three subs, well, what's the point? You know, getting these coaches work. to actually give kids a rest. You know, they're they're just not they're not giving these players a rest even even in their selection for the starting lineup they could rest players that way but they're not they they still have so many points on the line the the margin for error is is so small that they they feel like they need to have their starters out there every single possible minute so there's that side of the coin as well
2: i i think i don't think you can make a manager have to make
1: subs i think that's going to I don't think so either. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, no and
2: I I think like what I think with the five subs I just I like the way that that can completely change a match. I like that part. Um I like that if something's not going well, you can you can completely change a match with making five substitutions. Um so that offers, you know, when teams are down and you can change how things are going and do that. I think that's a a positive change. I think it just opens up the game more and allows more things to go differently, which is a good thing for what I would, would like to see. And, um, but you know, I think instead of making coaches or managers make this, make subs, you know, change the fixtures. I think they're, they're just so congested and it's not, it's not appropriate. The way the amount of games that everyone's playing, and then throwing international breaks and throwing these different things and cup games and all this stuff—that's where I think the problem is. I think you know that's the the money side doing the deciding, um, because the more games they play, they play, the more money that they make in TV and you know sponsorships and all that stuff. I think that's where the problem lies. Uh, these players are are going to have to play all these matches because they keep the bigger teams, you know, get further in these cup competitions. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like the better you play, the more games you play and the more games you play, the more chance you have of getting injured and, and that kind of route. So I think instead of making, or that kind of way, making someone make substitutions, just limit the amounts of games, you know, do. go
0: ahead. Yeah, sorry. I, I think like the 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 matchup is going to make a big difference too. Like City Liverpool, I don't like even if they had five subs, I don't even know if they would have made them because, like you said, no one wanted to lose that game. I think if it was like Liverpool, lead, Aston Villa, be a different scenario, you know? <laughs>
2: like, well, yeah, Liverpool Aston Villa. I think <laughs> if something could turn, like if he could make five substitutions, something might change. Like if he had more opportunities to you know, when it was getting, you know, four, three, or whatever it was, they're down a couple goals, and maybe using one of your substitution times to make two subs could change how Liverpool played. You know, not that it would have, you know, made a difference in the long run. It could have, but, you know, that's looking back. I think it would just give more opportunity to make a
0: change. And I think, like, to the point of reducing the amount of games i mean they easily could have like scrapped the carabao cup for this season knowing how many games these players are going to be playing like that is like a nothing tournament no one even enjoys being a whoa part of whoa,
1: whoa 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 Don't say that out loud
0: their, their top squad there mike,
2: mike that's one of our trophies that we go for <laughs>
0: <laughs> i understand that but i mean that's not going to get us into europe i mean keep the fa cup but you know um I mean, just yeah, reducing the amount of games would have made sense. And I, it, that would have allowed it to maybe use an extra weekend or two down the road for to spreading out the games a little bit.
1: But. Let me ask you this then Would the five subs have changed the Aston Villa versus Arsenal outcome from the previous weekend?
0: <laughs>
2: Definitely 100%. Uh, no, it
0: would because... have reversed
2: the scoreline.
0: Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Cause we would have played the same way with the new five players. And those five players would have been equally as bad as the 11. Other Mike,
1: you, you have something that sounds like you want to get off your chest. Um, <laughs> how are you feeling about the Arteta regime at this point? Uh, I think the last podcast we had was hashtag Arteta out question mark.
0: You are throwing hashtags into my, uh, my, my social media world here. I did not say any of that. But I mean, I I don't know. I've got questions. That's all. I've got questions and concerns, and I'm waiting for them to be addressed. Um, I'm still very much Arteta in. I think he is the guy to move us forward. I just am waiting for him to move us forward quicker. I think he's been doing a lot of work on the defensive side of things, making us solid. And he's been doing that since he came in last December. Up until the Villa game, we had the best defense in the league. At some point, you're going to have to start moving the progress up the field. Um, he even knows the issue that we need to score more goals. He said it in a, in a press conference um, that we need to score like 80 to 90 goals a season to even be competing to win the league. We can't do that when you're only creating one to two chances a game and expecting to score one or both of those every game is going to be very difficult. So he knows that's an issue and we're still kind of playing in the same way that we're building up from the, like, the halfway line to the outsides and putting in crosses or waiting for that perfect um, little goal. And we have nothing going up the middle. We're very predictable to, to play against at this point. And, I mean, the Villa coach even said it after the game. He's like, they score a lot of their goals from building up the back and, and beating teams on the counter. So we just didn't allow them to play on the back. And then they completely dominated us from start to finish in that game. So I just have questions and I'm I'm just waiting for us to progress to a more of an attacking style. Um, I want to get this out there. Asta Villa were phenomenal. They were the best team on the day. They deserved the win. It should have been... Four, five, zero, or we,
1: seven, or
0: yeah. I mean, at least we didn't give up seven. You know, <laughs> but, uh... hey,
1: we had two deflection goals, and so <laughs> I put it at five. <laughs>
0: um, it was just, uh, there was not a game that we were going to win from start to finish. We got scored on literally forty-five seconds into the game, and we got very fortunate that they called that back. That should have been a wake-up call, but it just kept going in a mediocre fashion the rest of the game. Um, I mean, that's kind of my area of concern. I'm just kind of waiting for that progression. Um, I have to imagine that Aubameyang didn't sign this massive contract to touch the ball four or five times a game and sit on the side and play defense most of the time. That's not the player he is. He's not a track back winger. Um, He got beat at one point on a wall pass and he looked like he was the most miserable person trying to defend a one-two. And like, that's just not where he looks like he even wants to play. But I mean, in a system where he rarely touches the ball, I don't know, it just seems odd. And to me, something is wrong, system or the players, and one of those needs to change. And I'm hoping that this result coming into an international break, giving Arteta time to think about it, there will be changes, but... At the same time, all those players are on international duty, so you really can't work on anything with your bigger players. But, you know, just something needs to change. And I think, you know, you have to change one or the other. And some, like, almost inversely, like, I don't think you can change one without changing the other. So, I don't know, Joe, what are your thoughts on the game before I get too um, overhyped and start yelling at the the computer screen?
2: I get out. (laughs) Yeah, so the the game was rough. You know, it was that that performance that is really hard to watch, you know, they when we have a lot of possession of the ball and we just kind of pass it with our back line and pass it to El Nene, our party, and they go back. And it's just kind of that same thing that goes over and over again. That's what teams want us to do. When we do that, that's when we're our most vulnerable um, because we we turn off defensively and we just focus on keeping possession and then we lose possession and we're in really bad spots. And that's what, that's what happened on the the first goal. You know, William makes a terrible pass that passed it right to their player. And then they hit the counter and, you know, it's, we looked like a high school team defending that and they score and, you know, it's one, nothing for a long time you know, until the 70th minute, but still, we didn't look like we were going to do much. Lacazette has to make that header. You, you have to put that on frame. If um, he gets paid too much money, I think he's too good of a player to not even put that on frame, which is just, you know, it's inexcusable. And, you know, those things that the way that we're playing right now, when we get a chance, we have to score it. If we don't score it, You know, if we get three chances and we don't score three goals, you know, that's that's the problem. You know, we get three chances and we maybe score one. And that's why I think Arteta is so defensive because we don't finish our chances. And, you know, if we don't finish our chances, then we can't just give up a lot of goals. And that's where it's that this big problem that we have because we don't create a lot of chances. We play to the wings and try to bring the and try to, you know, play crosses and things like that to players who aren't good in the air. They, they're not good at that. Um, they don't make very good runs. Um, Lacazette and he, he's not a big person who's going to be making huge runs and, and, you know, beat lines and do those kinds of things. He's not going to do that. He's not that type of player. Um, Aubameyang is, but, where you think I think I think he needs to get himself more involved um I think he is his body language is showing that he's not happy on the wing but you know last year he was happy on the wing and he was scoring goals and he was doing things and this year he seems to check out of games a lot um and it's not okay. I think that, you know, he's going to say that he, at some point, I think he's going to say, I want to be in the middle and that's going to cause a huge problem. I can, I just see that coming soon. And then when he goes in the middle, he needs to be scoring all the time. If he's not scoring in the middle and he's not scoring on the wing, then we're going to have a big, big problem because without goals from Aubameyang, we don't have goals coming our, at our club, which is frustrating. And, you know, it's a, I don't know how to solve this problem. And thankfully I'm not Arteta because, you know, he's, he found a lot of success with this system last year. And this year the system is not as successful all the time Um, where it's our go-to system. And I think it sets us up to make the least amount of mistakes, which I'm not sure if that's kind of the way you want to go into a match. Um, You know, you don't want to, There's a whole different mentality of do you want to not make mistakes or do you want to go for it and i think this formation makes us not make as many mistakes but it also has a very low ceiling um which is you know a kind of the situation that we're in you know do we want to have a low ceiling with not with a high floor or you know that kind of thing where if we switch to a 433 you know the ceiling's a lot higher. We can play a lot better and create things, but then our, our floor, we can get beat pretty badly. Um, but we got, we got beat badly by, with this formation too. So, you know, where do you want to go? And I think Arteta's the guy to figure it out. Um, I think right now he's kind of in his head a little bit um, and wants to be this huge tactician like Pep. And he doesn't, he doesn't need to go that deep right now. I think that he can find little things and let the players play. Cause I think they're decent enough to be able to figure out and, you know, give a general guideline instead of like, you have to play this way and you have to do this, but you know, it's not the end of the world. It's one result. That's not good, but you know, let's not make that a habit.
0: Yeah. I, um, I agree with everything you said. I think that he it's like you say. I think we've talked about before. is like kind of overcomplicating things. He's trying to be like too clever about the way that they play, when you just need to like simplify, relax, and let the players play. Um <clears throat> Kind of touched on it there with Lacazette. I mean, the, it's either the players or the system. Something's not working. Lacazette is being asked to play like a nine and a half where he's asked to do a lot of stuff. He's asked to drop in and then be the guy at the end of crosses. Like he doesn't have the engine to do that. So you can't really ask him to do both of those things. So that's a change of system or change of player, however you want look at. About being moving the central forward, like that's, I don't know if that's gonna solve any problems, but at least you have a person who can score goals in there and at least do, you would think he would do better than what Lacazette's been doing. But he's not that person to drop in hold up play like you would have to change how we play at that point if you move into the middle so I mean that one happened like leads to the other so uh, there's not just one problem here there's a lot of them um I although I'm not Arteta out I am very much Willian out like just get him off the field put Pepe in and let us play with a little bit of chaos and creativity we're so structured as a unit right now and that's how Arteta likes it he likes it very disciplined and very structured But you need an element of chaos involved, and that's what Pepe gives you. Um, And yeah, he's probably going to lose the ball like sixty to seventy percent of the time. But he's going to maybe even more than that. Joe's chuckling at me, but (laughs) no, no, that's a lot.
2: Like if if you said you're going to lose the ball sixty to seventy percent of the time, like get off the field. (laughs) But I am so with you. Like William is just
0: not it. Yeah, I mean, he, he'll lose the ball more than he keeps it, but he's going to get shots off. He's going to be dangerous, and he's going to put defenders on their heels. I mean, he came in for William, and the first thing he did was rip a shot off like a half chance and made Martinez think about it. Like, he will introduce that element to the game and a little bit of cast is something that we need. Uh, my other thing with Arteta is that he's very controlling, and he, like, he does so much on positional play. Like, toward the end of that game, he was literally calling out every pass that needed to be made as it was being made. It's worrying that like, I it's good that the fans are not in the stadium right now because he's getting away with that. And if there are fans in the stadium with 60,000 people screaming positive or negative at that point, the players won't be able to hear him. And so that control fact that he really likes and maybe needs won't be there. So he's got to like, unleash the players a little bit and allow them to play and find the game and find solutions to the questions in the game which I don't think he's necessarily allowing them to do and I think that's probably why he doesn't like Pepe because Pepe is not a structured player but he's going to give us something that we need at this point and I'm just kind of hoping that we're going to see that and I'm, like, I think you said that William has COVID which kind of forces his hand to make that change, which I don't necessarily think he was going to make coming up to Leeds as it is. So it'll be interesting to see how we line up um, on the weekend against Leeds. I just, I've got my questions and concerns about him. I know he's a young coach and he likes, what I do like is that he's very strong in his principles and he knows how he wants to play the game. I just think he needs to like put a little slack out there and let the players do their thing. That's that's
2: all. Yeah, I think one big change that can happen is is that Pepe change. I think you know, Willian Willian is good for yeah, is the good for the uh the younger group of players to kind of do that leadership, but not to not in big moments and, and big games. I don't think he's he's that guy. So we'll see.
0: So maybe to wrap things up on the Arsenal game, um the beer I chose this week is from Short Fuse. It's called Lost. Uh, that's what happened. We lost. That's where my mind went. It, I lost it a little bit. I needed some time to let this game sink in. Um, and it's it's a very good beer. It's a it's a Saison. Am I saying that right? Saison? I, I don't normally yep. drink Saisons, but it's a... it's like a, a farmhouse it's, ale. Yeah, it's a different kind of taste that I'm used to, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, i just read It's light in body with a clean, dry, and earthy finish. Hints of black pepper and funk that give way to notes of white grapefruit, apple, pear, peach, lime from the dry hop. It just sounds delicious. And it tastes delicious, too. It's a very good beer.
1: Hey, Mike. It it sounds delicious. However, if you need a little grenadine to put in that guy, I got plenty (laughs) left over.
0: Ah, look at that guy doing a callback. Loving it. Loving it. It's still party time. (laughs) <laughs> he's he's healthy he's fit he'll be he'll be playing at the weekend but uh shout out to short fuse uh for this week's beer uh, for lost done with arsenal for now we'll talk about him next pod
1: so um we get to move from a uh, very uh positive view on arsenal to <laughs> the chicago fire joe yeah take it away
2: yeah i i think you know They controlled their own destiny to get into the playoffs. And in typical fire fashion, they, you know, they blew it. Gave the game away. They they blew it. And it's very, I think the way that this played out is very fitting on this season. I think they're, um, the way they started the season was not good. The middle of the season was not good. And then they started to make some some moves and they started playing well and they started getting some good results some good performances that weren't getting results and then it came down to the last game of the season and they they win they're in the playoffs and then they go and get beat four to three like that's not something that can happen for a team that should be doing a lot better you go down two nothing you score a goal you're right back in it then you give up a goal that's just you know then you you tie it and then you just clear the ball into the middle of the field into the pk spot for no reason um to give the game just give the game away and you know then they get knocked out and now we're we're back into an off season where we have to to build on this year i think overall the team is a lot more talented than I thought they would be. Um, There's still pieces that, you know, just aren't good enough, but you're going to have that in this kind of league. You need those role players, those squad players, and it's, it's whatever you're going to have to do it. You have to fill out with these players, but like the highlights of the season are Mauricio Pineda Um, played every match, started every match as a rookie defensive player of the year for the fire. Um, just a really solid piece that should, that will hopefully be a center back to the Chicago Fire for the next 10 years. Um, I would be perfectly happy with that right now. Um, he's good with the ball at his feet. He's a good defender. He's good in the air. He, I think he had three goals this year and two assists. Like that's something that is, is great. And, you know, he's a good player, but was another highlight. He's someone that is fun to watch um, Jimenez. Is another great player. Um, Barich was a lot better than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was just going to be some dud um, that we just, you know, overpaid and you know says that doesn't need a player and he scores a couple goals and that's it. But he's he's a good piece to have. He's a good finisher. He gets himself in really good spots. He's good in the air. He works hard. He uh, he pressures and he runs down defenders and. You know, he's someone that I'm excited is on the team, and I can't wait to see what he can do next year and hopefully a more normal normal year. Um, and then Sekulich is the right back who's another solid player um, who I had no idea who he was, um, but he comes in and he he does the job, and, you know, he's another piece that we don't have to worry about. So there's good building spots, good building pieces in this club. Um that I hope they move forward with. They, they didn't re-sign CJ Um That one
1: and, surprised me. Um, I was very disappointed because I was a big fan of him.
2: Yeah. He's a good player. And I, I think, I think it was just kind of too much money for the role they wanted him to play, which, you know, you do you have, have Frankowski
1: I mean you got Barrett you got you got some players that given him competition mm-hmm. so I understand that but you know yeah. a, a team that wants to win that shows the aspiration to want to win the league need to have that competition and Collier is not the competition that we we need to be giving these players these starters Yeah,
2: yeah definitely I mean Collier's it's, the answer just the answer. Yeah, to, 10 more no players. question he is the answer
1: if I remember from our last podcast, Mike, it's yeah. it's barracked out, it's Collier in.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I, I think if we go into next season and Collier is playing minutes at all, it is not a good offseason for us. If he can't if we cannot find a player who's better equipped to play this game for the Chicago Fire in an entire offseason, then there's serious questions to Wiki and to Heitza, the general manager kind of guy. If they can't find someone better than Collier, we're in trouble. Because he is – he cannot be our first player off the bench. He cannot be our second or third player off the bench. he If he's in the 18, that's – I mean, he might be in the 18, but he he can't be in the 14 that play um, to, to be successful. So, you know, he's someone – that just can't be on the team he's a good practice guy but you know i think right now he is has he's from new zealand and in mls you're only allowed a certain amount of international players and i think he is considered one of our international players um i think he's in the process of getting a green card to get him off of that list but if i think he's currently an international player and he's using a spot from somewhere that we can get anyone in the world and it's one of those players is elliot collier that's a problem. So, um, there's a, i am more optimistic about this upcoming season than I was this season we had. Um, I think there were 17 new players to the club this year, um, which is incredible when your roster is you know like 25 or something like that. And 17 are, are brand new to the club. That's not good. Um, so hopefully that. Stops happening, and we can start building with some of these pieces.
0: And a year ago, we were weren't even sure they were going to have a roster. Like they were at like twelve players at one point, and they almost made the playoffs with all these new players. I mean, it wasn't obviously a successful year, but it wasn't as bad as we probably thought it could have been at, at that point.
2: When, when you when you word it like that, we almost made the playoffs. Is see <laughs> is a positive kind of twist when. 10 of like the 14 teams in the East made the playoffs and we were one of the four that didn't. So it's not, it's not a, a good thing, but we put ourselves in a better spot than I thought. We didn't finish last. And um, the pieces that are there are decent enough pieces to um, be optimistic about. Am I going to get season tickets next year? No, probably not. (laughs) Um, I don't want to say definitely not, but, most likely I will not be getting season tickets um, just because they are haven't done enough yet to warrant that coming out. but we'll see. Hopefully big moves happen in the, in the off season. And I think with Alistair, they can buy his contract down to make him not a designated player, which is some talk of doing that. Um, so they might have an open designated player spot, but um, if not, they'll have to just get creative and see what they can do.
1: Yeah, I hear. Um, I hear Ronaldo is becoming available, and Messi sounds like he wants to leave. So, yeah, uh, maybe. Sergio, Sergio Ramos
0: place in the winter.
1: A boy can dream. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Messi would like playing at So we he had. Might be, uh, he might be past it though.
1: We had. Uh, <laughs> well, I wouldn't be bringing in another World Cup winner. Um, like oh. we we had with Schweinsteiger, but ozel has got nothing going on. You <laughs> can bring him in. I, I would
2: love to see him in that fire navy blue now.
0: He would walk through the MLS, just
1: would walk would... through it,
0: literally, yeah, yeah literally. Yeah, literally.
1: <laughs> so we've had some uh, some highs and some lows, um, mostly lows. Uh, Liverpool drew and Arsenal. We don't talk about that right now and. Fire got knocked out. Um, guys, we need some positive here. Um, so international break. Let's let's beat that up a little bit before we really end on a positive note. What's the point of these international games right now? I think it comes down to that money again.
0: Yeah, I mean TV money. It's it's kind of a joke at this point looking at it as to what, like everything that's happening as a result from it, in terms of injuries and positive uh, COVID tests. And I mean, I understand that like the nation's league is going on and a lot of that is in attempts to qualify for the Europe, um, the euros uh, next summer. Um, I mean, I get the qualification rounds and whatnot, but I mean, outside of that adding friendlies and games that just don't matter, it just seems unnecessary at this point. Um, it, it really only caused more harm than good. Um, it didn't allow the players to have any rest. Um, yeah, they got a break from their their club tur- uh, season, but they could have just used that time to recover a little bit. Um, Liverpool is already in a bad shape in terms of squad players as it is, and then they lose Mo Salah um, out, out of that. And It just seems unnecessary, given everything that's going on in the world. It almost seems that football is above the pandemic at times. where like, they're the only ones that are quote unquote in that elite status that can travel and, and do things. And they should have just kind of squashed it. I mean, like, so I think it is all about that money. And I know it does help the respective na- national programs, you know, but it just seems dangerous at this point. Um, I don't think it's doing anyone any good personally.
1: I would tend to agree with you. Um, you know, they, it seems like they're trying to hold on to some semblance of normality and uh, well, this is what we did before, so we got to keep doing it. And, you know, someone doesn't, isn't able to just swallow their pride and say, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't be doing this right now. Well, you know, there's, let's just go ahead and cancel them for now. You know, it's just a game. And so, so I think it, it does come back down to Joe's, Joe's point, uh, of the money, um, the, at least for the, the Europeans and, uh, um, at least for the Europeans, they have something to be playing for. They have, you know, the, the Euros qualification, the nation's league for whatever that's worth. Uh, but then you got con is started their qualifiers as well. And then Brazil had a couple of positive cases and, um, but they're playing for the World Cup now. Um, now, So I don't know the difference between their qualifying schedule versus U.S., which start next year. So U.S. come up to – and just come up with a couple friendlies. They say, hey, we're going to take all of our European players and let's just schedule a couple games over in Europe. Um, I, I get why Burr Holter wanted to to because he hasn't really gotten to see his players a ton, but at the same time it's like, well – What's the point of this added risk? So, injuries definitely happen. Uh, Salah came on, came out of this with the COVID positive COVID. You know, not to say that he shouldn't have gone to his brother's wedding, but he did. Um, wear Henderson a mask, bro. Like wear a mask. What are you Henderson's doing? Henderson's a question mark. Uh, Robertson was left out of a game, but it seemed like he was able to play the next game. Um, <clears throat> Joe Gomez, non-contact injury out for the season. We have our two, two of our four center backs are out for the season now. Uh, so just not good. Um, uh, but they, they have to deal with it now. Uh, the injuries that have happened and the COVID cases that have happened, it should be interesting. Uh, we were talking before the podcast started embracing the chaos of the season Right. It's not good for the players' health and well being. However, from an entertainment standpoint, it should be interesting.
0: This is great. Like, you're seeing teams that shouldn't be winning, but they're putting up results. I mean, it's Fulham got to win. Like, who saw that coming? (laughs) I thought they were going to go 0 38. But, uh, yeah, it's it's exciting this season. Granted, like, it's chaotic and ridiculous, but it is very entertaining and and exciting.
2: It's going to need that squad depth. Yeah, that's what yeah. it's going to – those teams, those mid-table teams with no international players, you know, they they get those interna- – they probably love those international breaks because these big teams are coming back with some COVID cases, some injuries, and they're, you know, doing all right.
1: Right, and I don't want to see any of any player hurt from any team, um, yep. especially my own. But what's going to be interesting this year, and I'm I'm kind of excited about it, is to see how the youth – the, the youth system works. So we've had Reese Williams come up and step in and, and do really well. Nat Phillips, who's filling, filled in for a game, but now we're going to see Nico Williams. We're going to see our new guy um, Costa. They're going to have to step in and, and play. We're going to see, I think Tiago is set to come back. So we're going to be able to get the, this guy in. Uh, Wynaldum played three games over the international break. So he just do a break. So maybe Curtis Jones gets another chance again. I'm, I'm just excited for, him, for this youth to, to actually get a chance. You know, you talk about it, and, and usually they only get the cup games, but now they might actually be thrown in and, and have to play Champions League and, and regular league games against Leicester just at the top of the table. And it's, I'm excited to see that. I, I don't think it's good because you, you're putting people's health on the line. You know, and that's what is effectively allowing these other players to get their opportunities, but it's kind of forcing their hands at this point, and and it should be interesting. So, a silver lining is is all I'm going to say, in my opinion.
2: Well, yeah, we we got William to go to Dubai, so now he's in like some coronavirus protocol so maybe he won't be playing on the weekend oh, so God. maybe
0: so what are we gonna uh, i I'm,
2: i hope i hope he does not have COVID. i wouldn't wish COVID on anyone um but covet protocol and having to quarantine until you're safe um i'll take that a healthy safe protocol quarantine for william for the weekend let pepe get in i hope I he's safe about. and perfectly healthy in quarantine <laughs> protocol
1: for one match you very specifically laid out thanks yes
2: <laughs> i do not want him sick i do not want him on the right wing <laughs> uh,
0: speaking of uh, silver lining and, and some youth uh usa had a few games and they they played some young guns they played a lot of guys that got their first caps and they played some exciting uh prospects um they tied against Wales. wasn't a super entertaining game, but they played pretty well. They created some chances. We're just missing the final piece, the final touch, uh, maybe a striker who was asked to play in a different kind of role. But um, they put up sixth against, was it Paraguay? Uh, Paraguay, yes. Paraguay? Paraguay? Sorry. Paraguay. Santo in there. Um, no, it wasn't Paraguay. Panama. Panama. Oh, Panama. Panama. Pa- I was saying it right. Panama in yeah, the totally wrong syllable. Um, so, I mean, they, they they found the net in the second game, which was, I mean, a little bit different of an opponent, but getting those goals and confidence is good. And do we see a bright relative future for for the US at this point? Um, yeah, Nay.
1: Joe, you want to start?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, so.
2: The failed world cup attempt really took my, I really took a back seat and kind of put the U S men's national team on the back burner and didn't, haven't paid attention to them in a while. And, you know, just that the way that those players played a long time ago and did that kind of really turned me off of the national team for a while. Um, And I'm glad to see those players kind of out of the picture and these new guys coming in um, because there's a lot of talent uh, that are playing in some really, really big clubs around Europe. And I love MLS. I think it's an awesome league. I love it. Um, But it is not where a young player should be developing at the moment. And these young players are developing at some really big clubs and they're getting really good experience. And I hope it translates to the national team and that they can do things really well Um, because they're, they're an exciting group um, and they have a really carefree kind of attitude, which is really enjoyable to watch. And I look forward to seeing these players mature and, and find their feet and, you know, find their ability and, and gel as a group because if they can, I think they can be really dangerous. So I'm excited to see where they go from here.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I kind of like this this lineup um, more than just about any other lineup that I've seen from U.S. since I don't know Algeria, USA, um, <laughs> however many years ago that was. Uh, this this is just. They they've given us zero hope. They kept going back to the same old uh, same old crew over and over again. And Bradley Altador
2: kind of.
1: Yeah, it just wasn't working. Like they they had you were talking about the ceiling before. Their ceiling was low. Um, you knew that they weren't going to really get beat too badly, but you know that they weren't going to like blow your socks off. Uh, these kids come in and they give it. You give them a chance and and like you said, they're they're playing at the top level. I mean you got two guys from the u.s uh and barcelona one starting regularly you have weston mckinney playing not only with cristiano ronaldo regularly but coached by Pirlo. i mean you got these guys you got red bull um um tyler adams is playing a red bull in champions league and so you got all this experience that they haven't had before like it's, it's so exciting to see. And then the fact that they were able to come together and, and start to put it together uh, is awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for the US future. They did this without uh, Pulisic, which was, which is awesome. You know, um, The fact that you can bring in the, this talent and then still have Pulisic left to bring in. Um, Sargent couldn't make the, the trip to, to Panama either. So you got this talent that's playing all over the place. I just don't know enough about the MLS to see where these MLS guys would fit in. I would take that European lineup 10 times out of 10 over the ones I've seen with the MLS. So um, awesome, awesome stuff to see. The the combination, the the work ethic, the creativity is just a lot of fun. Um So I think it's a bright, bright future because all these guys are like 22 years old and younger, um, if not much younger. Some of them just turning 18, if not still under 18. So it's many years to come, 10 years plus, if these kids can stick together.
0: I mean, really, the goal is not necessarily – Qatar but it's to really put something together for when it's in North America I mean that's kind of what this group can really aim for um and was it 26 like they could really shoot to be a solid squad at that point getting all these guys chemistry and and playing together and in the next four or five years I mean they could be something really special if they could continue progressing in their their personal lives and and the, the club level I mean it's they're all playing at a very high level and who knows what could happen in the next few years. hopefully they can build that and have a decent showing in Qatar. Hopefully we qualify. And then um, when we bring it back here, like really just put our program on the map, hopefully. And that's something that I think we're all pretty excited to see at this point.
2: Yeah, with Weston McKinney, I was, I questioned the move to Juventus. I thought it was a weird step um you know going from playing week in week out for Schalke to then you know going to Juventus but when you think about it it's not just the games that matter like you're seeing ultimate professionals all the time you know those guys like Cristiano Ronaldo and and Chiellini and all those players that they've just their lives are just ultimate professionals and you see that you know the day in day out kind of stuff that's something every young player would benefit from um and being 22 years old and going there and he's played four times for him and you know getting those minutes and matches is important but also that daily interaction with those players and seeing and learning and those things can only benefit like when michael bradley was at roma like those were they're just good experiences to bring back to a national team and to help become leaders and do those things. And I I think the way the, the the amount of players, young players that we have at big clubs around the world is only good for our future as a national team. So I don't like international breaks right now, but if we can get international breaks and get those men's national teams playing and, and forming connections and bonding and and learning from each other is a good thing. So
1: So yeah, definitely a lot of positives there. I thought that the international break was a little wonky um, with the the reasoning behind it, the injuries, the excitement of the US, the, um, you know, the really, is this stuff needed? I think it was wonky. So I picked up a beer called Kitty Wampus um, it was just there wasn't a whole lot to, to relate to uh, in terms of the matches, uh, so I picked out a beer that was really, really tasty and a crazy name that go with the crazy international break. Uh, this is from Foreign Exchange, and it's called Kitty Wampus. It's the Reserve. It's an Imperial Coffee Porter brewed with milk sugar and Madagascar vanilla. It is, when I was pouring it out, it was like syrup. Um, but when you, when you taste it, it is just a really good balance of, um, of vanilla and coffee. And the coffee is very strong. And um, it's, it's just a very, very tasty beer. So uh, I don't know if it's all that widely available. Um, I think I got a little lucky finding it, but for an exchange, Kitty Wampus, one word Kitty Wampus Reserve.
0: Wampus, no spaces. It's all one word. Foreign Exchange has some really solid beers. I do enjoy theirs. Um, some good some good solid drinks this week. We covered quite a bit. Uh, we took a little time off, so we had a little bit more to cover. Um, some great things to look forward to, though. Uh, we got the Premier League coming back, some big games. Jeff, who does Liverpool have this coming weekend?
1: Liverpool has Leicester, uh, so a good matchup. Uh, Leicester has a couple injury problems themselves, so... Um, should be interesting.
0: They'll sit back for like 80 minutes and then put Vardy on and try to, because <laughs> that's how they roll.
1: Vardy uh, likes to score against us as well, so <laughs> I'm I'm definitely starting him this week against Liverpool in the fantasy.
2: I think Vardy likes to score against a lot of people, <laughs> but he really enjoys scoring against Arsenal.
0: Uh, <sighs> I I hate but love him. He's he's one of those like scrappy players that you root for because he like came up through the ranks, but he's just a POS guy on another team who scores on us, and you just, ugh, you hate him. and you know it's gonna happen. You just know it. Uh, but uh, Arsenal have leads, Joe. Um, I guess we we'll get to that, Jeff. What do you What do you think Arsenal or uh, Liverpool Leicester is gonna be?
1: Uh, I'm thinking a two-two. Uh, I'm not. I, I don't know at this point anymore. Um, obviously, I'm picking them pretty well in our pick'em league, um, top of the table there, but. Man, I'm throwing darts at a at a board and closing my eyes. At this point, it's this season is just so hard to tell. So, I'm gonna say with the with the injuries that Liverpool picked up in their back line since like their whole back line is injured. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna give up a couple goals, but Jota has been playing well. Firmino's scored international break. Mane scored international break. Wyneldum scored a few on the international break. So I think we're scoring goals, and I think we're gonna get scored on. So. Tune into that game for some entertainment.
0: Jeff says 2-2. Two, two. First of all, Liverpool are down more defenders. They're just throw more in the attack. Just play five across the top. You'll get more goals that way, and you won't let them out of their defensive zone. And two, Joe is trying his hardest in this Pick'em League, and all you're doing is throwing darts and smoking him in the in the table. I'm going to
2: start flipping a coin for our Pick'em League, and I will do better. So...
0: We'll see. We'll see if that works out for you. Um, Arsenal have leads. This is going to be a tough game. I think coming off of that result against Villa, it'll be interesting to see, one, how we line up. And Is it away, Joe? Do you know? Um, it so, is away. away. We tend to do better away than at home for some odd, odd reason. So I think we may pull it off. It won't obviously be a high-scoring game. It'll probably be like 1-0, maybe, if we're lucky, 2-1. I think they'll score. I think it's going to be hard to keep Bamford out. Um, I think it'll be tight, but um, ugh, I, I just think they're going to be ready to play after the Villa game. Hope they have to bounce back or else we're going to be in trouble. And ugh, Got a lot of questions. <laughs> I think
2: you, you might be a little more optimistic than – and myself um I think I think leads score at least two um do I think we have two in us yes
0: oh really <laughs> think we'll score at least I, two. I, that is uh David David Louise the
2: the, the, <laughs> the optimism in me I, I think it's uh, a two-two and
0: Pepe scores you know goals? what? We
2: probably go up two nothing and then blow it to blow <laughs> the lead. That's uh, that's what I think is going to happen. I think somehow Williams is going to come out of quarantine and come on that's, and just start giving up. the ball away. No, so I think it's two two, and I think it'll be one of those entertaining matches that, um, at some point, it's going to open up a little bit, and uh, I think uh, I think it'll be two two. I think it'll be a fun one to watch.
0: Did you Did you reference entertaining and Arsenal in the same? i sure did
2: but I think that has more to do with leads um being on the field too so um I think leads leaves themselves open up enough that uh, we might find ourselves in some good spots um, but i think they're also you know very dangerous and we'll will jump on the opportunities when they get them and they will get them yeah
0: this is a tough one because i do uh i do like leads they're they're like my if I'm allowed to this is my like my dark horse team, my, my second team, I just, I like the way they play. I like the way they're set up. i like like, I like their story and they were taking the league by storm and then they, you know, they're just pretty inconsistent. And hopefully we catch them on one of those inconsistent days. And uh, I don't expect a lot of entertainment as Joe is saying, but at least from the Arsenal side, but I do think we are going to somehow pull it off. I think we need to, I think we really need it, but Whew, that seems like a, Yes, Joe? Yeah, the Fire don't have any games <laughs> um, until next year. Are we, yeah. Are we getting... yeah, 2021 will be the next Fire game. All right, until <sighs> the next international break, um, which is, I don't know, like two weeks probably. There's just so many of them. Well, we get a couple of games in the Premier League and then move back. Um, hopefully, everyone stays healthy. Hopefully, everyone uh, gets well if they tested positive And any injuries that happen recover quickly. Um, We are looking forward and we are back next week. We'll bring it back to uh, every week here. Uh, No more national breaks, no more downtime. Um, Send those questions in. We're waiting. (laughs) We are on Instagram now at beer underscore football pod. Uh, Get at us there. Um, Also on any of your uh, podcast services. We're also on Twitter. So reach out to us, give us some questions, and we'll be happy to answer them on here. That's it. We yeah. are on it uh, calling night on this one guys. Um thanks for everyone out there for tuning in again and uh, as always next round is on us.
1: Cheers. Cheers.